Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey listeners, welcome to Amalia Anthology. Here you can find a collection of our most read pieces on amalia.com read by the authors themselves, so that you and our readers can enjoy your favourite articles in a new way. This episode, Samaya Telly's reading her piece, Mum, Why Are There No Female Prophets? Princesses of Paradise and Strong Female Leaders in Islam. Enjoy. Mum, why are there no female prophets? Princesses of Paradise and Strong Female Leaders in Islam. We're sitting at the breakfast table on a Saturday morning and in pop quiz style, I challenge my husband and five-year-old son to answering some questions. Name two prophets who didn't have a father. Mm, Prophet Adam? Yes, awesome. And I forgot his name. Prophet Adam had neither father nor mother, but this prophet had a mother. Do you remember now? Um, Prophet Jesus, but I forgot his name in the Quran. I can't remember exactly what now had triggered it. Something in our conversation, something about different families. But I guess that's the point. I do my best to try and seamlessly incorporate these stories of the prophets into our everyday lives. Name a prophet who had two mothers, I asked next, flipping a pancake at the same time. I like this one. They would have to think harder. The stories of the prophets are important in our family, ever since that first time, when on a whim I started retelling the story of Prophet Musa, a real superhero to my then three-year-old superhero-obsessed boy. The trick was in the jargon I used. Prophet Musa had a power. Ever since that first time, when on a whim I started retelling the story of Prophet Musa, a real superhero, to my then three-year-old superhero-obsessed boy. We not only became familiar with the basic stories of most prophets, but my son also started loving them. Like, really loving them. Asking again and again for a particular story, relishing its details. So, naturally, it started becoming easier to bring a lesson from their lives into a conversation. On asking him to forgive his sister for breaking down Lego that he had spent a lot of time making, remember how Prophet Yusuf forgave all his big bad brothers? A term he had coined himself the first time I retold the story. Remember when they said how sorry they were, even though they had treated him so badly? I don't expect these lessons to soak in perfectly. His rage regarding the dismantled Lego did not just diminish with that one sentence. But I know that these reminders are seeds planted, 
which will, I pray, start to grow and flower later on, to be remembered maybe at some other, more appropriate time. So I thought I had it cracked. Yes, I had found a way to make the profits real for my kids. But there was one incident which made me think again. A fellow Muslim mama posed a question that her son had asked. A question quite profound given his young age. A question that I would be proud of had my own son asked it to me. Mum, why are there no female prophets? I grew up as the eldest of four girls, no brothers. I used to hear the whispers surrounding my mother. Distressingly enough, it was always other women who would lament at her misfortune. Oh, Allah has given you everything, they would say. Now he should have just given you a son. Never mind the baseless bias towards a boy child. They didn't even realise they were questioning the creator himself. I thank God that we also had the voice of our father surrounding us. A voice powerful enough to drown out those other voices. He taught us the hadiths, the prophetic traditions, on the virtues of having daughters. And so, when I grew up, I fervently wanted to be the mother of a girl myself. When I didn't yet know the gender of my second child, I would make dua for a daughter with a feeling in the pit of my stomach, trying not to desire her so much. When she was born, I imagined telling her the stories of the princesses of Jannah. In my head, I also debated the more alliterative princesses of paradise. I imagine idyllically, in a few years' time, mother-daughter bonding over stories of her namesake, Hazrat Aisha, one of the most prolific women the world had ever seen. What I failed to grasp then, and only started to realise now, after that thoughtful question from a young boy, is that it's not just our daughters who need to hear these stories. It's our sons too, and maybe more importantly so. There seems to be this unwritten rule that boys won't like stories or books with a female protagonist, but it's perfectly normal and also expected for girls to read about and like books with male protagonists. I was making the same assumptions in my mind already by saving these stories of trailblazing women in Islam for a future conversation with my daughter when my son was already in front of me at the age to fully understand and comprehend them. Pondering on from that thought, I realised I needed my son to hear these stories, even before my daughter heard them. I waited for an opportune moment. We had been reading a library book about kings and pharaohs of the past. Do you know how Prophet Musa became a superhero prophet? I asked. Yes, I was about to bust out the superhero's backstory, just like in the movies. Except in this story, the hero wasn't our prophet. The Shiros were three intelligent, persistent and brave women who were the reason for who Prophet Musa was to become. His mother, his sister and the wife of the pharaoh himself. His foster or adoptive mother, the princess Asia, who was one of the true princesses of Jannah. If you are interested, here is how I told Hazrat Musa's origin story. Prophet Musa's mother 
was very happy as she had just given birth to him, a beautiful baby boy. However, her happiness soon turned to tears when the evil pharaoh sent his soldiers with orders to kill all the newborn boys of the land. You see, he had been told by soothsayer that a boy from the Israelites would be the reason for his demise. The heart of Musa's mother sent out a prayer to Allah and Allah answered her. He inspired her to put the baby in a basket and let it float downstream like a little boat with a precious secret cargo. Musa's mother's intuition made her ask her daughter, Musa's older sister, to run along and follow the basket, keeping an eye out to see what happens. The river led to the gardens of the palace where there was another sad lady, the wife of the pharaoh herself, the queen of Egypt, and her heart was sad because she longed to have a baby in her arms yet didn't have one. But look there, what was that stuck amongst the bushes and reeds of the river? It was a gift from God himself. Her hands reached out to grab the soft, sweet body of a baby. She pleaded with her husband to allow her to bring up the boy. He will be like our son, she said. A comfort to our eyes. The pharaoh finally relented. And as was the custom in those days, the queen set about to find a wet nurse for the baby. What is a wet nurse? Well, a wet nurse is one who can give mama's milk to a baby. Many babies are lucky enough to receive their own mama's milk. But in those days, when a mama like the queen couldn't give her own milk to a baby, she would pay another woman to do it. And guess what? Musa's clever sister sought an audience with a kind queen and told her she knew of the perfect woman for the job. Yes, in this way, through the plan of Allah, the baby Musa was able to be breastfed by his own mother and all three women were in peace and loved the little boy with all their hearts. In this way, Prophet Musa had two mothers. Of course, one of the most compelling parts of this story is a later episode of Asiya's torture by her husband and the ultimate bravery and strength of faith she showed. The kind of spiritual and physical strength that is almost not of this world. This is something I do not shy away from describing to my child and any child, boy or girl, who hears of it would be filled with awe and wonder. There is so much we know about Musa a.s. No wonder he is one of the most often mentioned names in the Quran. From his birth through to his relationships as an adult, even down to the detail of his speech impediment he had, which gave rise to the beautiful du'a many of us use before commencing any endeavour for eloquent communication. It's vital to show our children these real, true examples of women who are just as important and influential as the men we hear about. As for the question, why are there no female prophets? Although we cannot be sure whether female prophets existed or not, and there are some who believe that women were given prophethood. I hope that by starting this kind of discussion with not only our girls, 
but especially our boys, they would come to know that one doesn't have to be a prophet to have Allah communicate directly with them, and that Allah chose many women to change the course of history with their faith and action. The story of Hajar, and therein the whole premise of Hajj, is centred on a mother's quest to breastfeed and nourish her child. Maryam, the mother of our beloved Prophet Jesus, was sent the most special of messengers, the angel Jibrail, with a direct message from Allah. Hazrat Asiya herself, when tortured for her faith, asked for and was shown by Allah her palace near him in paradise. I've started to put a real emphasis on these stories with my son. At the time of writing, he was six years old, and now he's ten. And through them, we've had conversations about breastfeeding and bravery, about adoption and orphans and single parents, recently even about labor, when I described to him how the most honorable woman mentioned in the Quran, Maryam radiyatala anha, felt the pains of labor on giving birth to Prophet Isa. We talk about the amazing scholar, poet, woman of science and medicine that his little sister was named after, Aisha. I want these names to be a part of his understanding as much as the names of the prophets already are. And I pray that the stories of these princesses of paradise are not only kept bound for our daughters to read, but that our sons may also learn from them and emulate the characters of these mighty women. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Amalia Anthology series. If you would like to be a part of the anthology series or want to interview an elder, get in touch at contribute at amalia.com. If you enjoy the podcast and wish to support our production, head on over to amalia.com support. Like, share, subscribe and we'll see you on the next one.